Game two done. Big shout out to everyone back home who couldn't make the game. That was for you, baby. New South Wales Blues. Let's go. Let's go, baby. Welcome to Little Birdie Podcast. I'm your host, Scoot, and I'm joined by the kid, MG. How are you, buddy? Good, Scooty. It's been a big week. It's been a massive week. There's plenty on. You just heard the origin uh, opener, and Queensland are in absolute all sorts. My side, New South Wales, are a powerhouse, and Peter Volandis has probably killed the origin as well. We'll hear from Top Rope a little bit later on, and we've also got, got ace previews. We've got Steve Quick on to talk about Wimbledon. It's plenty happening in sport, but uh, firstly, let's talk about the AFL. It was somewhat of a, a black Sunday for you, uh, MG. The Giants, they uh, they let you down, and now you owe me a bottle of goose. The Western Bulldogs made a mockery of uh, West yeah. Coast Eagles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a uh, day I'd rather forget. Um, yeah, had a lot of a uh, lot of action running into the Sunday or something about coming into the office on Sunday and just. Uh, I think I necked a bottle of goose on the way out Sunday night. It's very disappointing a couple of my sides, or my ex sides, I should say now, because you've made me rule a line. Yeah, I think uh, I think you got to learn, you've got to learn your lesson. I think you just can't go to war with a side like the Giants. And how many times can you let West Coast Eagles pull your pants down? They just wow, they're uh, just gutless. Both both sides yeah. have got no no fabric. They're just fluff. Yeah, they were really uh, – it was a couple of ugly results. It was really uh, a case of the good, the bad, and the ugly on the weekend, just watching, you know, Thursday night we're up and about. Obviously, the uh, my lines, we'll call them, since you claim every other, t- <laughs> other, other team in the comp when it suits you. You've left me with one out with the line, so I have to go to the coffin with them, I guess. But, um, no, they listen, they kicked off the week. They were awesome. Um, well, they were. And, uh, you know, you, you had your doubts going in on the Thursday night and uh, kind of forced you into it. But, um, yeah, that wasn't a sweat at all. They jumped them real good. And, um, you know, Ge- Geelong, uh, a little inconsistent, but away from home, I don't think they're anywhere near as good. So that was that was the good side of it. Um, and, obviously, the dogs were awesome. Uh, no, Actually, it's been your side, the doggies. You've been on them for a while now. Um but they were they were awesome against West Coast, weren't they? There was probably uh, there was probably two of the better performances for the year. I think Brisbane over Geelong, and then Bulldogs uh, going over to the Perth. No crowd probably helped them a bit, but big time. Yeah, but they didn't kick straight by the same token. You know, the the margin at was fifty five points, mm. <laughs> still flooded, uh, still West flooded West Coast. It could have been eighty to hundred, I thought. Now I don't know if I'd tell Top Rope this, but um, on Friday night the Richmond St Kilda game was so bad, I found myself watching. The, the women's origin instead. Obviously, I was, I was invested in the game and that disallowed try was absolutely sickening and it was sickening for me, you and Top Rope. Um, but that's the state of some of these AFL games. Like, I'm AFL yeah. through and through. Yeah. I traded it for seven years for a bookmaker. Absolutely love the game and I can't even watch a game like Richmond and, and St Kilda. It's Yeah, the Friday night was the worst off one. Because, a uh, well, We were looking for something else to watch and Top Rope screaming, yell the... Uh, Let's watch the women's origin, and we skipped across, and the score was uh, was it six four, so that was that was exciting. Um, yeah, so top ropes having a little holiday from the state of origin women's, I think. Uh, actually, he might be having a holiday from the state of origin full week. He's happy that uh, we've got a full week of NRL back anyway. There's uh, there's plenty on at the moment. There's Wimbledon hotting up, as we said. Uh, Steve, uh, quick ace previews is going to preview a couple of games. He's an absolute jet, and uh, it's NBA playoffs. Uh, we've been watching a couple of games in here with Homicide and. Yeah, you're, you're nearly turned into a, a part-time yeah, uh, NBA, NBA, and yeah, NBL become... was a fill-up for you on the Melbourne United. You're on them for a long way out, yeah. family ties there. But uh, yeah. how good's the NBA playoffs at the moment? 
Yeah, we'll definitely convert. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's causing a great distraction in the office. So uh, productivity's been down a bit over the last couple of weeks, especially when uh, homicide gets in gets in here and starts cheering. But the NBA is uh, it's a long product. They're not looking to uh, shorten up their games at all, are they? They love stretching out. Uh, what did we have the other day? The last minute went for sixteen minutes real time. Yeah. So, um, but no, it's a good product. We're down to the last four now. So we will aim to get uh, Homicide in next week when we begin the playoffs. Hopefully that'll line up with our show and we'll see of the last four. We think at the moment it'll probably be Milwaukee, definitely the Bucks. Mm. We'll get through on one side and we're not sure about the other one. It's 3-2, might be heading to game seven, I think, with uh, with uh, the Clippers back at home for and game six. Yeah, so, but no, it's been good. What about uh, the Euro? I haven't seen... Uh, I've seen a couple of highlights, very minimal. I think I saw the guy collapse and then I've seen not much at all, but yeah. it's just too much to bet on at the moment. It's just frantic, isn't yeah, it's it? it's crazy. I, yeah. I noticed that a lot of people on Twitter and the Instagram feed start start saying that it's coming home. So England is still in the mix somehow. Yes. They'll find a way to choke, won't they? They're not in the mix. They're favourites. They're solid. <laughs> They've been... Uh, Got to lay them. For a team that hasn't won anything since where uh, our fathers were uh, born, it's, uh, it's going back a long way since they've won something, but... Yeah, well, um, yeah, just quickly for, you know, all the markers at Top Sports, obviously the, the betting the run's been awesome. There's been some great finishes. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, so England are around the $2.75 mark. Put favorites. We're down to the last eight. Uh, and they've got some, you know, I mean, uh, they've got an easy draw as well. They've drawn Ukraine in the uh, quarterfinal and they were the 16th team in. Um, so their half of the draw is easy. So, yeah, it's funny to see because English, um, you know, they don't want to tempt fate, but they're certainly up and about that they're dreaming that they can win the Euro. So, you know, in a couple of weeks' time, we'll know. They're absolute tragics. They're as bad as uh, Melbourne Demon supporters. Let's have a look at the bookie wrap for round 15. We'll zip through this. The favourites went 5-9, and nine, but uh, the plus was uh, the way it went there. Only two favourites covered, 2 out of 9 at 22%, and the overs, it was uh, low scoring, 2 out of 9 went over. And for the season, the favourites are going 86 and 126 at 68%. The line's 58 and 126 at 46%. And... The, uh, the totals, uh, the overs, just scraping in there, 64 out of 126. But uh, let's have a, uh, yeah, let's have a look at the hits and misses. We might as well uh, zip through quickly. But, yeah, I think the bookies definitely take the prize for last week in round 15. But uh, the big market movers here, Brisbane Geelong total, 164 to 156. That was a hit. The Richmond St Kilda total, 158 to 152. That was another good one. Uh, the Kangas Gold Coast Suns. You know, I've got the Gold Coast Suns uh, ready to barrel them. 162 to 157, that total. That was a hit. And then the misses here were Collingwood at the line. Uh, the total was a miss also in the uh, the Collingwood game. And the GWS line late, it sort of moved two ways. Well, the game changed venue, so it was 22, and then it was a brand-new uh, market, and then it was 6.5 to 10.5, and, and that was a miss. They absolutely stunk it up, the Giants. And then uh, West Coast, Western Bulldogs, the total there was 153 to 146. That was a hit. The goal scoring or well, the goal kicking was very inaccurate there. And then, uh, yeah, the Carlton line, um, 6.5 to 13.5, and, a half, and it, uh, it got middled. So the Modlers who uh, just keep backing Carlton, I noticed Carlton against top, Top eight sides, they're zipping seven. So it's a bit of fool's gold, Carlton, at the moment, but the modelers keep finding them every week. Um, and the early players, the early model players, they they got the chocolates. But uh, if, if yeah. you chimed into the Blues late, uh, they weren't impressive at all. And I'll tell you what, they were lucky to get away with that win, I thought. They were coming really hard. I think it was Shoal had that shot. Yeah. He kicks that goal. 
God, they're a shaky outfit, Carlton. I couldn't yeah. go to war with them at no. all, and they're they're one of my bogey sides. Well, Adelaide, I can't. Adelaide started zero and six as well to start mm. the game off. So, um, you know, if they kick straight early, um, yeah, it just shows you, you know, when to bet sometimes because the. Um, yeah, the Carlton line was obviously uh, six and a half early, so you get your chocolates if you uh, do bet early. But if you chime late on the Sunday and you're still taking the minus, you get done. Um, but yeah, you could have lost. The, you could have lost a lot for sure if Adelaide had um, kicked straight. Um, and then yeah, if you're on the Bulldogs, uh, Brisbane over. Uh, kicking 27 points combined, that's a it's a bit of a bad beat, I would have thought, to uh, go down by uh, a couple, or one or two goals, depending on when you bet. But it um, just shows there's a lot of line movement, especially with the weather around at the moment we've had and the change venues. of venues. Um, it's a circus, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, there's you know, I mean, the scoring completely dried up this round as well. I think it was the uh, one of the most inaccurate for the year. They were about 48% combined across the board. And as you said, only two totals went over and most of them were back down as well. Uh, to the under, so if you're the under punters, you've had to fill up this week for sure. Let's uh, let's talk about the sting and the tail, and I think this week we're going to talk about stripping back the rules and some things that we need to to scrap, let go, and change because we have rule of the week, and that's one thing, but it just seems that some rules, uh, like this man on the mark moving that they introduced at the start of the year, that's fallen by the wayside, and it seems there's more pressure on the person that's taken the mark or got the free kick, as soon as they um, attempt to kick or sh- make an intention to kick or look, look to give a handball, they're still on their line. The umpire's now calling that play on. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. I think um, I think we've just got to a state with the umpiring of the game that, unfortunately, the players and the fans are the only ones not confused with how it's meant to be umpired. The, the umpires are confused as well because, um, you know, it's, it's almost quarter to quarter, not match to match anymore that – it's just completely different in the way it's umpired. And, you know, I mean, we notice it probably more because we actually do sit down and watch every match. Um, and just the inconsistencies is crazy. You know, it's it's just not right. And then the players are just constantly arguing. I don't think it's a good look for the game. They keep talking about, you know, AFL's like, you know, father time to all the, the junior leagues. Yep. And if something happens with sling tackles or, you know, protect the head of juniors and all this kind of stuff, don't touch the umpires and all that, which is 100% right then what's the message being sent with uh, having players constantly arguing? We saw a few 50s given away with um, with back chat yeah. this week with Maynard for Collingwood. Mm. Wasn't a free kick. Maynard was completely in his rights in a tight game at the time. And again, the umpire has an outcome on potentially the, where the four points are going. Uh, and the other one was Devin Smith. Now, whether he's right or wrong, he shouldn't have been in the mm. space. Again, frustration through the double fifties are hard to cop, aren't they? Yeah, and so especially he, given how tight some of the games are at the moment. Look, I thought the Essendon Melbourne game, the umpires fiddled with that and changed the fate of that game. Yeah. And then in Carlton Adelaide, I think they let what Cripper run 30, 30 plus meters, which in a, in a ten point margin, like yeah, and he kicked the goal. Let's just. It's so rank at the moment. Yeah. The, the other the other so, rules that we were sort of discussing was the third man up in the ruck. I know they changed that to solve Ruckman's injuries, but were the Ruckman really getting injured? Like it t- it's taken a bit of the creativity and a bit of the chaos out of the game. Yeah. A third man up would actually probably clear out the congestion more, I would have thought. Yeah, we're not. I mean, I'm not privy to the stats of what the engine, a Ruckman getting injured. It's more of a protecting agent, I guess, going out, but... You know the, you know they talk about speeding up the game, not having congestion. Yet they the umpires spend, you know, sometimes two to ten seconds looking for who's the ruckman, 
you know, we had a few instances the other day where, you know, I forget who the umpire was, but he kept, you know, Max Gorn and Draper are standing right next to him mm. and he's going, who's going up in the ruck, Max and yeah, Sam? Yeah, it's obvious. Like, you know, and for every second it's like another one or two players get to the contest and all of a sudden you wait five seconds and we've got another 10 or 15 players around the contest. I don't understand. As soon as the umpire gets to the, uh, the ball up area and he's got the ball in his hands, just throw it up. And in the case where a third man goes up, which they won't, because you just pay a free kick. Mm. You don't need to nominate. Just get the ball going. Um, and then we'll have less congestion around the ball ups, I, I believe. I think that's a simple rule. To, I don't understand why it's, it's not implemented. And I think what Yeah, the, that, the faster movement, it just may, sounds like a no-brainer, really. Well, I don't understand the downside. I'd love to hear the AFL come out and say why that isn't the rule. Well, it's probably about the third man up because then all of a sudden you don't know who the... The third man won't go up anymore because it's trained not to. And if a third man does go up, then you just pay a free kick. Yeah, fair enough. So, you know, especially in the back half, why would they even risk doing it? Mm. You know, it's it's not not difficult. I mean, we've played football and, you know, one person goes up. It doesn't matter who it is. Um, You know, so I I, I just think the AFL, they've got eight weeks now until the finals and I'm not a big believer in changing the rules... Um, mid-season or during the season, I just think they've got the interpretations. They've just got to strip it back a bit because there's going to be a final, uh, you know, that's going to impact greatly because just um, an incorrect decision from the umpire because they've got too much pressure on themselves. Mm. I think uh, the out-of-bounds rule is a a funny one with me. I think the AFL pay the out-of-bounds rule because they want the game to be faster and they don't want to start another stoppage with the ball in because that takes time. I think what they're trying to do is speed the game up, but I think it's counterintuitive because I think it just allows teams to zone, to, to flood back and to zone more instead of creating, I guess, the chaos or the 50-50 contest again. So yeah. I actually think the out-of-bounds deliberate rule is having a detrimental effect and not the way that the AFL wanted it. And I think looking at them, Looking at the way it's paid, the out-of-bounds rule, I just don't think they've got any consideration of the fan because there's just no read on, you know, the ball no bounces funnily or, you know, it was kicked towards a player. It's it's just stupid. Well, we've got the out-of-bounds on the full, which mm. covers half of it, and this is obviously going underground and stuff like that, but you can't be paying a, um, a free kick against the bounce of the ball the way our ball's shaped. So... I, I, you know, again, that's just leads to frustration, but maybe that's the AFL the way we want it because we're always talking about it, I guess. Mm, so, okay, off-season to fix all this drama, what's what's the silver bullet? What's one rule that you'd implement to, uh, to make the game better? Well, I mean, as we said, I think the ball-up's got to change. You know, just to be quicker, definitely um, don't, don't nominate the Ruckman. As soon as the umpire gets it in his hand, he throws it up, gets out of there and lets him play. Um... You know, and I believe if, if the if the player on the mark's got the ball, then he gets entitlement of, of five five seconds at least to dispose of the ball. And, you know, for play on, you've got to run off the mark. So a fake handball to someone going past when you not have it play on, on is not play yeah. on. But the umpires call that. And it actually causes another stoppage more times than not because they call play on when the man on the mark and the guy who's got the ball are close together anyway. So it eventuates in a tackle. And then they don't pay holding the ball. They'll pay, you know, didn't have prior opportunity or something like that. So I'd stop that. The um, deliberate out of bounds, definitely, that we've changed. I think that's, uh, you know, it's it's a rule that probably, you know, it's, it's too much in the umpire's mind. And they're also umpiring it from a different angle a lot of the time. So just because they see the ball go out of bounds and they're just looking for someone in the area, they're not actually looking at where the disposal necessarily came out of. And it comes out of a pack. You know, you're not exactly... You know, you're throwing it on the boot more than saying, let's get this to the boundary line. 
So that would be one for sure. What about kicking backwards? If you're in the forward 50, if you're attacking, you're allowed to kick backwards. But if you're not in your forward 50, what what, what, what would happen if they banned the backward kick? I oh, know, but then yeah. I, I think it'd be then harder to police because if you kick it slightly backwards and it's like on like sideways, there's that grey area again. And aren't we just making the game too hard? Well, I think, yeah, true, and they have trialled this before in a pre-season, and I thought it worked pretty good. If you've got the lines on the ground, it helps going across. The mode lines, mode, yeah. It gives an umpire uh, something. And I would just say if it's if it's blatant backwards, you know, the across one, um, you know, without making it too much on the umpire, if it's 50-50, mm. you pay the mark, but just more if it's, you know, if it's dead set back, 45 degree or, or 100%, sharper. yeah. And I just think if they do that outside the forward 50, the attacking side, and it's play on, then that creates the ball movement without the congestion. So that could be one rule they look for. Whether the umpires are up to uh, governing, that's another question. Because I don't think I don't think the current crop of umpires, whether it's overruled or not, um, they need re-education for sure in the off-season. The rules need to be stripped back set in place, not change year to year, where the umpires can actually train for the future as well. Yeah, the AFL keeps saying, let's not bag the umpires, mental health. Um, you know, we, we struggle to get umpires into the game. Well, why would you want to go and do a job where it changes, uh, mm. not year to year, but week a lot week. of times week to week? Yeah, a, and if anyone considered their own job... Yeah, where, you'd just be... You'd, you'd throw your hands up in the air and walk well, away. Yeah, so how about the AFL give the umpires Great that are incoming... Um, a bit of a chance where they can actually go, well, this game's not too hard to umpire mm. and I've got a knack for it and I want to do it and I like the way it's going because it's easy to umpire. Yep. Why do they make it difficult? I think you've nailed it in that sentence. They're just It's just shifting too too frequently. I think you're spot on. Now, something that broke just after we uh, jumped off air was the Gold Coast Suns and their sort of their after party after getting absolutely belted by Port Adelaide, I think it was. Yep. But there just seems to be a culture problem up at the Gold Coast Suns. And then they've turned up against, well, they didn't really turn up against the Kangas. No, that's It's rock bottom. They've hit rock bottom, the Suns, haven't they? Uh, if they're not there, they're hoping they're there, yeah. It's um, yeah, it's crazy. I don't know what they're going to do with it. We, we brought it out. We spoke to it. And then the media and uh, the stories broke after it. Um, and went on with it all week. Then they came out in pretty ordinary performance against the side that's won one game all year. So, um, you know, what what's the AFL going to do with the Gold Coast? What You know, at some point they've got to come out and say, we've even got a plan going forward to get this team active uh, with a supporter base and at some stage looking like making the finals. But... Uh, You've had a you've had tried to have a coffee with Gil over the uh, over the <laughs> week, and your your proposal is well. I think they just need to start again. They just got to put a match to the Gold Coast Suns. They've had twelve years. They've had no success, and I think they need to go down the Port Adelaide Footy Club route. I think they need to rebrand. I think I'd go with Southport Sharks. I know last year the Gold Coast Suns had sixteen thousand memberships. Yep. Before they joined the NEFL. Southport had, I think, 20,000 members. So you've got an existing database. You've got a culture there. They've won, I think they've won 21 flags in the Queensland competition. They've won one in the NEFL and they're probably not going that well. But if the the, the AFL stops pumping all the money into the Gold Coast Suns, which is a rabble, and their culture seems absolutely devoid, go back to grassroots. This club... Southport Sharks has delivered and produced these names. Rewalt, Dan Merritt, Marcus Ashcroft, Dane Beans, the Tippett brothers, Kurt Tippett, more notably. Like the foundation's there. There's a lot of people that have gone through the Southport uh function in the club yeah. that are that died in the wool. They'd love to see, I'm sure, on the Gold Coast, 
that team have a franchise. When Port Adelaide were brought into the competition, I think Southport had their hand up at that stage. So I think they need to reboot. You see it in the NBA franchises. Teams move all around the shop. I don't think it's a, a bad thing if you say, okay, this didn't work, similar to the Brisbane Bears, that, and then all of a sudden Fitzroy went up there. That works. So you've got this history and something that that, that the locals yeah. are tied to. And I think Southport's a fresh start. And I think it's something that Gill can do that Andrew Demetrio probably stuffed up and the people before him. But but he's come out and said, oh, well, meatloaf was a big mistake. Well, here's your next big mistake. It's the Suns. They're a basket case. They're 12 years on. Mm. Why don't you just reboot, push the reset, hard reset button? But do you think a club is going to work on the Gold Coast regardless? Because history shows in Australia uh, we can't get any sporting franchise to be successful on the Gold Coast, whether it's performance but for the fans, it's just not a sporting area. Population aside, mm. um, you know, there's a history of failure of sporting clubs in that area. So your choice instead of going elsewhere, and I'm not saying Tasmania's the, the choice either, um, but you're, you think a rebranding to stick on the Gold Coast is the next step. You've got to try something. Yeah, I agree. You've got to say, you got to definitely try something. That's why I say if the AFL doesn't have a plan going forward, which I'm not sure they do. Um, they don't want a basket case full-time. So, yeah, I don't know. They've got to make well, a decision for you've sure. Had, you've had 20,000 members in a Queens, for a Queensland yep. club and you're 12 years into the Gold Coast Suns experiment and you can only get 16,000 members. Yep. Like, so you think uh, you've got to have a throw at the stump somewhere and the problem now is they're probably still five or six years like away from any sort of success. So if they scrap the Suns, say, at the end of this year and rebranded them as your Sharks. Yep. Um, they've got to throw cash at them. They've got to start again. Yeah. So how long a process is we going to have to wait for the Sharks well, and is it another five years anyway? Exactly. But you you, you bury all the um, the mistakes of the past. Yeah. At least if they get success within a few years, that's a brand new taste. And it's a marketing it's so a marketing think, exercise. You think because the Southport Sharks have got a history history there that they've got the fabric within that community to go so. forward more than the Suns. Yep. So the fans trying to attach to the Suns. Yeah. The Sharks are more inbred. I would have thought so and ingrained. And I think the joke's getting around that the joke the joke's getting around that Southport are a better side than the Suns anyway. The Suns are a laughing stock at the uh, of the competition. They let well, they let one, lions off, yeah. they let lions go to Brisbane, amongst many other problems, and they just can't retain talent. I think they tr should try and develop their own. At least they've got a junior program in yep. there to to help support it. Yeah, I'd throw the kitchen sink and and merge the uh, the Gold Coast Sun twos and then Southport and really make a uh, a second crack at it. Start again. Yeah. Well, I'm sure Gil's getting plenty of advice on this subject. Um, where what he's going to do with either the Gold Coast or whether they're going to introduce a 19th team or what are they going to do about Tasmania. So, uh, you know, maybe he will uh, hear your thoughts and uh, something will shape out. Either uh, next year or beyond. Ex-Uni Blues Boys, I'm sure he's uh, he's open for the feedback and it's a big <laughs> problem to solve, that's for sure. We're going to have a look at uh, round 16. Uh, there's not many uh, weeks to go and all of a sudden 7 and 8 looks uh, a possibility for my Bombers to slip into the finals action with Richmond. Marks Tigers, I think he's finally jumped off the bandwagon there. Round 16 NRL, we're going to talk to Top Rope. Tedeschi, lock of the week, is absolute shambles. My only uh, missing leg was the Tigers. Mark's gone to war with the Tigers again, so it's all gone tits up. And top rope, he needed uh, the women's origin at four and a half. And then we're going to talk about Wimbledon with Ace. But if you're having a bet this week, it's uh, topsport.com.au, one of our major sponsors. They've been going for 35 years. Bet with a bookmaker you trust. Bet with Topsport.
Welcome back to the Little Birdie Podcast. I'm your host, Scoot. I've got the kid, MG, here, and it's time to walk our way through the next round of AFL matches. And uh, with a little bit of doubt over the Thursday Gold Coast Tigers fixture, we're going to jump forward to Friday night, absolute blockbuster down at the Cattery. We've got uh, Geelong $1.24 favourite, uh, Essendon four ten, and the line 25 and a half. The Cats licking their wounds off a, uh, a mauling from the Lions away, and Essen will be uh, a little bit angry too. It was probably the one that got away against the uh, the D's. And I'm sort of thinking that Essen are one of the form sides of the competition. How do you think they'll fare down at the Cattery, Mark? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Both coming off uh, losses to very good sides, um, both in Brisbane and Melbourne. Uh, I think Essendon played the better of the two last week. Um, the, big, the big test is obviously Essendon. Haven't played uh, in recent history at all down at the Cattery, <laughs> to be fair. So I'm not sure. I hope they find their way down there okay. Uh, it's not a good sign for Essendon in terms of it's a very tough ground to play Geelong for teams that go down there on a, a semi-regular basis. So that's going to be a big challenge for them. Uh, Geelong will be off the rebound. Or obviously got a pretty good record over Scott's coaching career, bouncing mm. back. So they won't want to leave this one to chance. Line of 25 and a half is pretty strong. Um, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I think uh, the Essendon, there'll be plenty of money for the Essendon plus four and a half goals. Uh, the weather looks a bit iffy at this stage. It's a bit 50-50 down there as well. But I think that just the way Geelong play, they just love love a uh, under game. They love it to bring it low at Geelong. They love to shut it down. And you saw last week Essendon wanted to attack against mm. Melbourne and you saw how good a good defence can be um, just against the style of Essendon and how they play. Completely stifled them. Uh, they know, butchered the, the they butchered the ball inside fi- uh, forward fifty, and that can play into the hands of the cats. I think I mentioned it on last week's show. Yeah. I was worried that the D's would back line would stitch them up. It's they a, saw, it's, it's, and it'll be a similar yeah. story here, won't it? Yeah. So what happens with what worries me is is the coaching panel of every team going in against Melbourne is the game plan is what going forward is is it like it was against West Coast. You don't put it up in the air mm. uh, to let. May and Lever just dominate the airways. Yeah. You've got to go in ugly. You've got to go in chaos. Eyes lowered. Stringer did it three or four times, unfortunately, mm, in the week. It. Knew he wouldn't back up from the week before. He had one out of the box. Everyone wanted to sign him up in Bomberland for four or eight or 12 years, whatever True. he needed. Um, butchered, butchered two or three goals. And then when you look at it, the final score, he's virtually cost him the match just by not doing the discipline thing from 60, 70 metres out, sometimes trying to go for goal, mm. puts it up. Surprise, surprise, it falls in the goal square and who who takes it? Not an Essendon player even competing. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a real option. So the big thing for the Essendon coaching panel this week is are they going to learn with a guy, Tom Stewart, goes okay in the airways down for Geelong, <laughs> uh, takes the odd mark or two. Uh, are they going to do the same going forward this week or are they going to show some discipline, uh, some teamwork and lower the eyes and the forwards get on their bike and actually come at the ball carrier? That's going to be the key to the game for mine. Um, if Essendon can execute that, it won't be a high-scoring game, and then you'll feel comfortable taking the 25.5-plus. Mm-hmm. But this is obviously a big game for both. Cracking. Uh, Geelong definitely for the top four. Um, this is a game they can't, can't afford to drop. And with Essendon, it's all or nothing now for the uh, the final eight. If they're, if they're serious about playing, they've got to take a big scalp. Yeah, I think uh, the Bombers' leg speed's their best opportunity to beat uh, the Cats uh, when they attack. And yeah. I think uh, you're right. If they can manage to lower the eyes, they're a, uh, a good bet at the plus. But uh, big weather watch there. Let's talk yeah. about the Melbourne versus the Giants game Saturday afternoon at the MCG. The Giants 
have had some practice now at the G. They're a dollar eighteen. The D's and GWS Giants are four ninety. The line thirty one and a half. And this seems to be a tricky encounter. We yeah. we disagree on uh, how we're going to bet this match. But uh, tell me why you like the GWS Plus here. Yeah, probably won't be betting in this game. Um, but if I was to invest, uh, <laughs> I, I just think the. The 31 and a half, a touch 32 and a half. I just think this game, again, Melbourne, like they did to Essendon last week, I can see this game being probably scrappy and a bit ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there's a little weather around, you know, so that's going to play a part. But don't be surprised if this is just a, uh, a grind out game for Melbourne. I can't see them losing the game. Um, again, GWS have got to have the game plan, they've got the runners through the midfield. It's whether they can lower their eyes and their forwards like Himmelberg and Finlayson don't want to contest in the air. They want to get coming to the ball carrier. So for that reason, I, you know, I'd prefer taking the plus to the minus uh, if I was having a bet. Um, but I, th- I, th- I think the actual bet would probably be Melbourne 1 to 39 or even 1 to 24 in this game. But I think Melbourne will just control it. They'll grind out a win. I just noticed something about Melbourne when you take their la- their their late block of say five games. They've only won three. Mm. They've really scrapped out a couple <clears> as well. I just think after getting off to such a fiery start, I think maybe they've just hit a bit of a flat spot. I'm not saying they're out of form. They've lost their way. They just haven't been as dominant as what they were in uh, obviously putting ten and zero on the board. And I just think now they're in a bit of a holding pattern, trying to get the wins, uh, stay on top. And then they'll probably ramp up on the back end of the season in the finals. I think that's a way, from a coaching point of view, is what Goodwin's trying to do do with Melbourne. Yeah, I'm, I've been a bit disappointed with how uh, they've been just too cautious with their ball move, movement going forward. I think they've gone into their shell for mine the D's, yeah. and I sort of, if I had to have a bet in this game, I'd be taking the minus. Yeah, I think the D's should smell blood in the water after yeah. Hawthorne touched up GWS. Yeah, here's a here's a flaky side, and here's an opportunity to. Um, to really put a side away, and it's it's sad to see actually because what was it? Uh, did the, I can't remember if it was the D's versus the Dogs, the game that they played at GWS's home ground. They were so so good attacking, yeah. t- taking the game on, and all of a sudden they they just seem to be taking the backward step or are, are too afraid to make a mistake. And I just want the shackles to come off the D's, but it'll be yeah. it'll be fascinating if if they don't if they can't cover this this line uh, this weekend. I'm I'll be completely off them for. For sort of, oh, hang on. For, for 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 the grand final, I, I think at the yeah. moment the three sides that I want to be with are the D's, the Doggies, and Brisbane Lions. But if they can't put a side away on their home deck, that's a rabble, which I'm saying yep. the Giants are. I think the standouts have to be Western Bulldogs and Brisbane Lions. They just need to go back into attacking mode and take the game on. And they, yeah. those two sides that I mentioned, the Lions and the and the um, Bulldogs. the Bulldogs, they're going to kick a lot of points on a dry day at the MCG. So. Melbourne need to, um, as you say, they need to click into gear sooner rather than later. Yeah, I just think, it, I just think Melbourne the way they set up their defense first. Yeah, um, and it shows against the good sides. I think they've got the best record against the top eight sides this year, uh, and the reason why is their def- defense is so good. Mm. And maybe it exposes some of the top sides' forward lines that aren't as good. You need a game plan going against Melbourne. Um, Essendon didn't work last week. They got close. And if a few things had gone their way, you know, yeah. Tipper had a horrendous dropping the ball um, in the forward 50. And if he gets that, then it's four point the difference. 
and Stringer going forward, you know, nails one or two lead up forwards and who knows what would have happened in the match. But yeah, the Giants have got a chance. Listen, their, their season's on the line as well. They're in a similar position to Essendon going to Geelong. Um, they're going up against two really good sides and these sides trying to fight for the eight to get Richmond and West Coast out need to take a scalp. Mm. All right, so I thought I was going to get you for a bottle of goose on the Melbourne Giants line, but it doesn't sound, sound like you're that keen. All right, the next game we're going to talk about is uh, Sunday afternoon, City versus West Coast. Uh, down at the Cattery, funny little choice here. Little uh, Last time West Coast were there, an absolute drubbing, and West Coast are coming off an absolute drubbing as well. $1.85, the Swans, and then the Eagles, one ninety five, the line, one and a half. Mini final for these guys, and Sydney, they just got a, a bit more steel about them. Oh, all right. Yeah, I love the psychological blow for here from Sydney. They had their choice early for the venues, and, uh, you know. The tighter, the tighter ground suits Swans more, doesn't it? 100%, but they did it because they went. <laughs> West Coast went down Geelong and copped a 97-point loss, and the psychology of that. That's I, brilliant. I, you know, I, I'm not sure if they're still doing the banners, but I'd love the Swans to come out and say the nightmare <laughs> revisited or something like yeah. that. So when uh, West Coast run out, but I'm sure the game plan will be for Sydney is 100. percent You know, the the Cadinia Park or sorry, Skilled Stadium really suits their mm. style. They want it contested, and it shows this year that West Coast, um, you know, probably don't want it that way. Um, and if Sydney can shut them down, that's their game plan for sure. But it's more of a psychological blow that they uh, they know that they got flogged by Geelong, and that's why they wanted to play in there. Interesting game. Listen, I think the market's about right. Tough, t- two tough teams to bet into, both coming off losses. Um, and with um, the six versus seven, um, you know this is a real big game for the winner in terms of playing finals. Mm, massive. They get a real good jump. Uh, you know, in terms of those who are behind him and the losers under enormous pressure. So uh, de- definitely a big game for both. And, it'd be, you know, it's interesting to see if West Coast do bounce back both from their loss to Geelong, which um, they'll have the mental scars from, and they'll certainly have a few fresh scars from getting beaten by Bulldogs on their home deck. So oh, I'm looking forward to this contest. Probably not a betting game. Um, if I was looking to bet in this game, uh, as you said before, with the closed-down style of Sydney, I think the under 162.5 would be the play for mine. Mm, a real Sunday afternoon scrap, just what we like. Uh, we'll just quickly flick through the other game. It's a bit tricky this week with so many venues undecided, but one that's been decided, Western Bulldogs and the Kangaroos, 50 and a half the line there. What was that, 120-point shellacking last time, the Western Bulldogs? And yeah. I don't think the Western Bulldogs are taking a, uh, a step backwards. I think that this line could be covered at halftime again. I know the Kangas have probably improved a little bit, more competitive. Yeah. They're still only picking off... A side like the Gold Coast Suns, I'm happy to just steam into the minus here, but what about you? You think this is a Melbourne Storm kind of job? I think so. Well, the doggies are like the Storm. They're just still in auto bet every week. Yeah, I think um, personally I come up with around the 45 mark, um, which is the opening market was at 44, 45, and it quickly jumped up to to the 50 and it looks like it's flattened out. just with the roof being open at Marvel and there's a bit of rain around, might check that line. Um, but, yeah, I mean, listen, if you, you want to watch a replay of the last time Massacre. the Bulldogs played uh, Kangaroos, it was embarrassing. I think Josh Bruce, is, he, he has a field day every yes. time that they play the Kangas. Yeah, and, and listen, this uh, the Bulldogs are switched on and they're ready to go. Um, there could be a huge number and this could be a real margin job. Um, you know, even things like the, the 60 plus is obviously an option and, the brave soldiers will take a hundred plus as well, just for, for the entertainment value. I think of seeing a real big score kick, but yeah, there's there's a lot of options here. If you like to bet in the game, I'm probably going to leave it 
Um, you know, again, uh, I was looking forward to betting maybe the over total in this game as well, but uh, market's been a bit too smart and around the 169s, probably, probably about right. But on last effort's performance, the Bulldogs might close in that by themselves. Mm, so there's already been a, uh, a move for the over points there, I think. Let's have a look at uh, buy, hold and sell. This is where we talk about the futures and uh, this is one of Mark's strongest suits in the premiership market. He tipped up the Western Bulldogs early as the value, $13. And uh, the favourites at the moment are Brisbane Lions, who he's been bullish on for the last month or two. Uh, they're $5 favourite now with the Ds and with the Western Bulldogs. The Cats are $5.50, still looks unders to me. Port Adelaide, $8. Tigers are finally out the gate at $8.50. They're, they're, they're a big chance to miss the finals. West Coast Eagles, $13. That looks unders as well. Sydney Swans, $41. Essendon, my new side, $51. And GWS Rabble, $67. And the Dockers are $101. Marcos. Yeah, I'm just oh, I'm going to stick. I'm, I'm just sticking fat with Brisbane. I like what I saw. It was a big game from. Gee, they uh, were tough on the weekend. They got they fast. Got, they got so much upside this side. Drilled. Um, they're well coached. They play a great style. Hungry. A, a, a lot like the Bulldogs. Um, and if you look at their recent stats year on year, how they're going, they've really turned things around. A um, couple of seconds lost the prelim last year. Just love the way this side's tracking. Um, on. COVID aside, and we don't know where the finals are going to be played and who's on the road, mm. and obviously Brisbane now have had to pack up and go on the road. So uh, that doesn't bode well for any side when you're betting the futures. Um, but really at the moment, I just think the two sides I want to be on is the Lions and the Bulldogs. I know we backed them at certain parts during the year and one preseason, but you know if, if I'm looking at the premiership market and I've got the choice between taking Brisbane or the Bulldogs at the same price to Geelong and Melbourne, I know which, which ones I want to be backing. Um, I'm still just going to go down with a ship on Melbourne. I just don't think it, when the whips are cracking in, in the finals, um, I, you know, I like a lot about their side, but I just don't think you can jump up and win a flag from that. You've got to go through your stages. It's pretty rare to do. I just don't like what I saw against Geelong. I think there's a big gap between the very good and the next rung. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with with Brisbane at the moment. I'm keen. I've actually had, you know, I've reinvested again this week. I just, I, <laughs> I'm just going to go right on with the job <laughs> with the Lions. Uh, not chips all in because, you know, we've obviously had some bets on the Bulldogs. But um, Doggies got a couple back. they got Trelaw and Dunkley to come come back in. Yeah, Trelaw's uh, – sorry, Dunkley's close, but Trelaw's had a setback overnight uh, where it looks like maybe another two or three weeks mm. on, um, which will push him back to around 2021. Uh, so it's getting a bit tight, but you know he's obviously an endurous athlete. Uh, so when he comes back, he should be ready to go. But he wouldn't want to have another setback again, Trelaw. Um, but yeah, the Bulldogs got definitely some players to come back, and your man hasn't been cited yet. Still, that you uh, that's the wild card. Their forward line needs a wild card, and that's I Jamara. And I, I think he can get produced two or three rounds out from the like finals, it. and just be the jack in the box. Yep. No, I like that. We we spoke about that yesterday. That. Uh, when we're going through writing the show that he's definitely a wild card and I hope Beveridge has got him ready to go at the back end of the year and just release him because what he may do, um, besides kicking a few goals, is create an energy and excitement on Absolutely. top of beating the finals for the Bulldogs. And if they're set ready to go in the top uh, two and definitely in the top four, hopefully we can see him play uh, on the back end two or three games into the finals. And if he can hold his spot, um, he could be a wild card for sure. It'd be good to see as well. 
I think uh, a couple of people on first crack just finally, Jerry, that the Western Bulldogs are in for a couple of big years ahead. And, uh, yeah, the Jamara Eagle Hagen uh, wrought in the draft is something that uh, will probably never happen again. Let's have a look at the Brownlow medal winner, another wrought. It's a competition that you can bet on once they've all passed the post. Marcus Bontempelli now is moving into a clear favourite, which is bad news for uh, the Melbourne Demon backers. I think he spent 350 or 320 last week into 260 with another best on ground. Clayton Oliver, $5. Kristen Petrarca, $7. Ollie Wines is another big mover. He's probably halved in odds over the last couple of weeks. My man Darcy Parrish, $9. Jackson McRae, absolute having a blinder, $9.50. Boke, 14 Cam Guthrie, 16 And Dustin Martin have finally uh, released him also. Walsh, 16 They won't change his price. And then McCluggage, is uh, the other smoky there twenty dollars? But wow, the bond thirteen dollars preseason. Uh, you've picked off Oliver and Petrarca through the year, but he could just run away with this now, Bontempelli, couldn't he? Yeah, you're pretty happy if you've uh, invested early preseason or if you've tracked him through the year. Um, his game on the weekend was as good as you'll see, and he's played four or five of them this year. Um, he, he's just dominant when he's on. He's in a very good side. And he just stands out. Um, some of the goals he kicked, I think he kicked three on the weekend. And that's the difference when you show um, vote getters when they start kicking goals as midfielders. That's just the icing on the cake. Um, you can follow this man in. He's he's leading the Brownlow right now. He's got some quality chases behind him. Um, and with eight rounds to go, a lot can change. Obviously, you know, suspension's always in the back of your mind and injury. Um, but I just think there's now starting to become a lot of fat in this market um, with very few winners. This count now looks like pushing beyond 30 the way it's going, votes, mm. which only means maybe one or two can run him down, in my opinion. Um, and just to look down the list outside the top four or five, um, some of these guys are going to have to putt out really. Like a, a guy like, you know, Dusty Martin, Sam Walsh. Yeah. Um, the Boke, all these guys to reach 30 votes are really going to have to you know, almost go eight threes, seven threes, six threes. Mm, and that's happen. and that's without Bont putting too much more icing on. If you like the Bont, you just keep following him in. Let's have a quick look at the Coleman medal market. Not much change here. Harry Mackay, two ten. Tex Walker, six dollars. Rewalt, six fifty. Jeremy Cameron, eleven, twelve, darling. And same quote, Kennedy. And then you got the two doggies, Bruce and Norton, thirteen and fifteen dollars. Uh, we won't even bother talking about that. It's just the same old story here. If you're a bookie, you'd lay Harry McKay and then you just find someone else to beat him. If you look at the soft draws, maybe a Drac Rewalt or a Jezza or a West Coast Eagles player and hopefully they kick another couple of bags. Josh Bruce could be a bet. He might come out and kick eight yeah, goals against uh, the Kangas and the Doggies are just going to keep winning matches. So yeah. there's a big angle there, if uh, yeah. if you're having a bet on the ponies this week or if you're interested in doing your own model, punningform.com.au are one of our major sponsors. You can get the raw data. You can build your own model. You can get those guys to help create a custom model or you can just get the database online and the guys will take you through a tutorial. So you can get Sugar Shane Baker from Punningform and he'll hold your hand and he'll help you how to interpret the punningform.com.au data. All the big professionals use Punningform when they're betting horse racing and sectional stars the show on racing.com. They are now using Punningform data, so make sure you check it out. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back and talk Rugby League and Hall of Fame with our favourite Top Ropes edition. Welcome back to the Little Birdie Podcast. I'm your host, Scoot. I've got MG in studio. Now it's time to talk 
Hall of Fame and Rugby League with Top Rope Tedeschi. How are you, big fella? I am up and about. We yeah, we got through last weekend where there was only two games of rugby league. What a what an absolute torture session that was, spending time with a family, spending time <laughs> you know, outside of the house, spending time you know, with other people's children in your house. It was <laughs> we've moved on. We've moved on. It, it, we've got full a full week ahead. Five golf tournaments, eight rugby league games. We're all right. We're all right. Things are things are looking on the up. In our betting chat group, we call that life experience costs. So you have to experience <laughs> life, and it impacts your gambling. It's it's not a it's, it's not a good place to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of uh, bad news, Nathan Cleary out for Penrith Panthers. Are the Storm now just a, a chips in job for the uh, the Premiership? Anything better than a dollar one is a bet. They're just home. Uh, no, no, as, as we know, I was pretty keen on at the start of the year. It turned out this is a two-horse race, really. And without Nathan Cleary, it's a one-horse race. Uh, I think Cleary will be back. He could be out for the year if he fell for surgery. But I'm guessing that, um, that they will uh, play through the pain. So we'll probably see him in kind of four to six weeks' time. But uh, I, I'm not sure they can compete with the Storm with Cleary there. Without him, there's no chance. Mm. That's good news. That's good news for the Purple. We say they're an auto bet. We say they're an easy watch. What about Cam Munster? Is he unfit? Is he a grub? Is he just a little bit off the boil? Is he partying too hard up at the Sunshine Coast? I suppose you're allowed to. They're on top of the table. They're up there. They're in contention. They can do whatever they want. But is Munster sweet? He signed his contract at Kittens. He'll always be sweet. Of course he's of course he's fine. He's he's just he's just he's a bit worked up. He's a bit excitable. He's always been a grub. Like no mistake, he's always been a grub. He's he's our, he's our kind of grub. He's a winning grub. So uh, he'll be fine. He's just monster. He's you know he, he's come back from a foot injury. He's probably not peak physical condition, but uh, which of us are, you know? So he'll uh, he'll be right. Cam Munster's doing a job. I don't know if you've seen, but the Storm have won twelve straight. They've won eleven of those by sixteen plus and covered eleven of those. And they've just equaled the NRL record for most forty point games in a season with a third of the year to go. So uh, I think Munster's doing fine. I wouldn't be blaming him for Queensland's words. He is a uh, little birdie Hall of Famer and someone else is a little birdie Hall of Famer and another auto bet as last week's Hall of Fame, Tommy Turbo. This is our segment where we uh, indoctrinate someone in the Hall of Fame that's done something exceptional for the punt. Phil Mickelson's in there, Damian Oliver, Hugh Bowman at various stages. Don't look at me like that. I know you like like Lane Ollie. Uh, MG, but uh, all the big golfers, all the big uh, movers in sport. Anthony Jupp for his uh, state of what is it? Not a state of origin. It was a uh, an NFL Super Bowl rort where he rang up, yeah. pretending to be uh, a BBC uh, producer to get the time of the flyover and the uh, the, anthem. the anthem. So the Hall of Fame, it's it's got everyone in there. It's I think it's got a, uh, a bacon and egg roll that Mitchell Beer tipped us into one day. But Tommy Turbo was last week and. That's an interesting one for the nominations this week. Who's done the most for the punt this week? I'd say Toby Turbo again. The dollar ninety anytime was an absolute gift. But what about Harris English in the Travellers? I think they played six or seven playoff holes, and eight. he was it eight. Eight. I went for an hour eight. and a half. It ruined my Monday morning. My productivity was absolutely shot. And Kramer Hickok, I tell you what, he's the star on the rise. Was balls of steel some of the putts, and mm. I think uh, both golfers traded one hundred one, one hundred two. If you were sitting there trading that action on your uh, VPN, you would have made an absolute mozza on that tournament. But I'd say Harris English to uh, to win the eight hole playoff. I think he's worthy of a nomination, isn't he? Top right? Oh, he's right. He's right up there, very much in contention. But I, 
Uh, we often go wide here, but why don't we look a bit internally? Why don't we look to our man DK? Has he found a loser yet? All he does is tip winners. He's airborne. We've He's got to be airborne. on our man, don't we? Yeah, I like that. Great house, I think it was, uh, on, on Saturday. Won by about six. Yeah. Uh, Izzy Fair Dinkum yesterday yeah. at the Ballarat Synthetic. It was three wide the entire. Yeah, the not, a, not Bloody oath is fair dinkum. Yeah. Bloody oath is fair dinkum. He just gives <laughs> winners every day. I think DK's been in the Hall of Fame, but fuck it, we'll put him in again. DK goes into the Hall of Fame for the second time, and he joins, I think, what, Cameron Munster's been in there twice? Maybe Phil is knocking... Yeah, Turbo. Yeah, he's up there. It's elite company. Yeah. Like it. I'll tell you what, though. Just You mentioned someone earlier. Mitchell Beer's Twitter account is one of the great followers of all time. If you like dicey food and acerbic content, <laughs> <laughs> massive fan. Massive fan of the NBA Twitter account. Mm, I did see uh, Adam McGrath from uh, racing.com. I think he's at the uh, baseball over in the US, and he pulled out a hot dog with fr- uh, Fruit Loops on it. Where are you going to that business, uh, Top Rope? Here's your homework for the week. <laughs> I don't mind the sweet and savoury together, but that's gone a little too far. I'm going to take a hard pass on that one. Jeez. Yeah, I don't I will, know if I... I will give it a go. I will give it a go. <laughs> I did see your really uh, state, state of origin set up. I don't know if the missus was at home, but uh, you had the K-Fry and it looked like an absolute man cave wherever you were located. It but, was a uh, pub. It was, it, this was one of the great pubs, the Gladstone Hotel, Orange, New South Wales. I don't do a feed there, so you can bring in what you like. So pub, schooners, good crew, table of the colonel. <laughs> That's outstanding. I what, love that. Watching Great Queensland setup. trying to cover the plus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't not... worry. This is, this is what a clown I am. I, I, I jumped into the minus 28 after they scored the third try. <laughs> I made to lose on that one twice. <laughs> Oh, dear. Let's uh, let's find a winner this week on round 16 in the NRL. Thursday night, we've got an absolute cracker at the SCG. The Storm, 129, 375, the Chooks, and the Lions already zipped out to 12.5. Yeah, it was 10.5 yesterday. You blink and wake up, it's 12.5 here, and the Storm are into 185, the minus. Thank God I had a couple of Quindry Ballarat synthetic multis into the Storm minus yesterday. Top row, but tell us why Storm are a good thing here. Uh, well, one, one of the Melbourne Storm, so that's a good start. <laughs> Covered eleven of their last twelve. Uh, they just—I mentioned all the stats, so they just get rolling out. Uh, this is being played at Newcastle, so it's a, uh, definitely a neutral venue here. Uh, the Storm have covered fourteen of their last eighteen uh, away from Amy Park when they're a double-digit favourite. So that's a ridiculous record. Uh, the Roosters have probably found their level too, right? They, they do beat up on the bad teams, uh, but. Against top four teams this year, they've played four games, lost all four, all four by double digits. So uh, I think they're going to struggle to score points here. Their attack's probably not up to the class uh, of, of the Storm to, to, to break down those top defences, particularly the Storm. And I think uh, there is a chance James Tedesco does not play this game as well. So uh, I think the Storm will just run rampant here. I can see this is a you know, 36-4, 40-4 kind of, you know, 50 to 4 victory here for, for the Storm, and they'll cover this easily. Mm, too smart, our man Cam Munster just giving Tedesco a bit of a knee massage to the uh, the head and neck in origin. It was it was a great move. If they got the Roosters next up. Yeah. Oh, why not? Why not? Forward, forward planning from Cam Munster. That's what do you want to see? Where do you think this line will close top rope? I think we'll get to uh, 15 and a half, 16 by, by kickoff. Okay, so 
So if you missed the boat yesterday, there's still time to bet. Let's have a look at the the big blockbuster on Friday night. Uh, you'll have to help me with the venue. With all this COVID crisis, I can't keep up top rope. Penrith Panthers, 154 Eels, $2.50, and the line, 5.5. The total, 45.5. Panthers Stadium, still a goer or all re- move regional? No, still a goal, but no fans. So uh, this West Ada would have been an absolute sellout. Uh, the Panthers will get nothing from it. So a uh, bit stiff for them, but uh, still being played on home turf. Lying in nine and a half to five and a half on the back of the Nathan Theory news. Uh, tough to find a side yet. Probably still rather lend the minus. I think Parramatta are a bunch of pretenders and they're missing Reed Barney. <laughs> uh, Mitchell Moses has been counted for origin. And, and every time the pressure gets, every time he gets put in a pressure game, he, he goes to absolute water. So, uh, wouldn't be rushing the eels there, but there is one bet I love in this game. Under, I think, I think the tail's down to 46 and a half now, 48 and a half yesterday. Uh, these guys have played unders games in 11 straight matches. Four of the last five haven't even topped 26 points. These guys play tight, tough bat- matches, real desperation, full of hate, this, these two. So, uh, and, and some key playmakers missing from both sides. Cleary, mm. of course, Dylan Edwards, the fullback for Penrith is out. Reed Marnie for the, for the, uh, eels. So, uh, under 46 and a half seems a tremendous bet in this one for mom. Mm, so one of the bets around Penrith versus Eels, we're taking the under total points. Saturday night uh, at uh, 7.35 at McDonald Jones Stadium up at Newcastle. The Knights, $1.55. The Queensland Cowboys, $2.45. And the line, four and a half. Uh, Ponga and Pierce back together again, top rope. Is that what we're seeing here? Yeah, first time in 2021, Ponga and Pierce will all play together. I think it's going to have a pretty big impact on them. They've, uh, uh, they haven't they haven't topped 10 points in any of their last three games, so there's obviously plenty of upside there. Uh, Ponga and Pierce did go the nice to their, their first only final series in, in, in eight years last year, so uh, I think this is a combo that that's, may take a little while to to kind of get to its peak, but I think they should you should be seeing plenty of impact pretty much from the get go. The Cowboys can't defend as well. They've covered just three of their last 14 in the state. I think the Knights can do a job on, on the Cowboys here. I don't mind the minus four and a half. Outstanding stuff. A lot of confidence there. And what about the get-out stakes? Not sure if they're going to hold it at Leichhardt Oval. I like to see Peter Volandis under pressure here. He's uh, now having to juggle like uh, a good mate, Gil McLaughlin, has uh, been juggling the AFL and Sydney are in crisis with this COVID. So interesting to see if the West Tigers regain their home ground advantage here. But who's going to win uh, in the get-out stakes here? Top row, South Sydney dollar ten. West Tigers 7, and the Lions are flat 20 there with a total 53.5. How are we going to bet here? Yeah, game will be played at Leichhardt again in front of an empty stadium. So uh, Tigers probably lose a little bit of that home ground advantage. I'll be on the bunnies here. Uh, minus 20. They haven't been outstanding at covering big lines, but they do have close to their callback. I'm expecting uh, their, all their, their spine plus their, their strong left-hand side to, to dominate. The Tigers, they... Cannot tackle on the edges for the life of them. On the left-hand edge, Gagai, Walker, Mitchell, Johnston. They got 40 tries between them this year. So I'd be playing. I'll be playing the minus. I think on a, on a, a dry, fast like that. I think I'd be I'd rather be on the minus there. But if you're going to have some same-game multis, I reckon you can you can just yeah. Don't make a genius, but you can have those four in. It. There'll be plenty of points, plenty of South tries. I'll be putting those four in there and, and some combinations thereof. Outstanding stuff and. Uh... It's just Peter Valandis. I'm not sure how he's doing it, controlling all the COVID in rugby league and then still running racing in New South Wales. It's just a sight to behold. He's absolute a great man. He might have to try and help us with lock of the week because this is something we're absolutely having 
No luck with the disallowed try on Friday night in the women's origin cost you top rope. Me and Mark have fallen into the the Richmond Tigers. So it was a Friday night from hell, absolute hell. I was drinking champagne at home and I couldn't get enough down my throat. But what we're doing with lock of the week or we're trying to do is to get to the magical 5K mark. Um, We're failing badly. We've already kicked in 10,000 through the stream to raise.org.au who find mentors for kids uh, who are getting off the wrong path and putting him back on the right path. But Marcos, put us on the right path and hit the scoreboard with a lock of the week to get your bank balance closer to the $5,000 mark, please. All right. Limited action to choose from this week in the AFL, but I'm come up with the Saints plus three and a half against Collingwood. Looks a good bet. Yeah, I I, I come up with St Kilda slight favourite in that game. And I'm going to go with the over 169 and a half in the last game, Bulldogs, Kangaroos. Lots of points. Hmm. Mr. Pro- Mr. Price here, but going to steer over anyway. Well, as I said, limited stock on the shelf to uh, choose from in the AFL at the moment. <laughs> We've got three games with no prices up, uh, and you won't allow you and Top Rope won't allow me to go into the NRL, no. so uh, can't put the storm in for value. So just the double three sixty one St Kilda plus three and a half over Bulldogs Kangaroos game. Top Rope, uh, I'm just going for glory this week. I'm just shooting for the stars. I'm having my 200 on a $14 shot here. Nice. Uh, Manly, 51 plus against Canterbury. Canterbury are playing pretty much a reserve grade side. They've lost nine starters from probably their best side this year. Five to COVID breaches, three to injury. One uh, has been left for the New Zealand Warriors. Tommy Turbo plays. They've scored 50 plus in three of their last five, including a game where Turbo didn't play. I can see them running an absolute number. Lions already on the move. It's moved from uh, minus 20, I think you get minus 23 and a half now. This game will start 30 if Turbo is locked into play. I'm expecting him to play, so um, I'll take the 51 plus at $14. Oh, that is a very good price. Yeah, you don't win many games about 51 plus in the NRL, but they scored 48 second half points last week. Last game of the the Titans. So uh, okay. 51 plus $14 against the hapless dogs. There you go. It's a lot of Ric Flair. Well, oh, then all of a sudden he's bang. He's at $2,800 and uh, he's got a clean pair of heels. So what slow and steady might not win the race this time for UMG, but I'm going to rub your nose in it a little bit here. I'm going to go cross-code multi because I uh, run this show. <laughs> I'm going to take uh, the Essendon Plus, Essendon Plus 25 and a half against the Cats. I'm going to take the Ds against the uh, the Rabble, uh, the Giants, 31 and a half minus I'm going to take the Bulldogs minus 50 and a half against the rabble that is the Kangas. And then just to rub MG's nose in it, I'm going to take Storm heads up, Manly heads up, and South heads up just to put a bit of cream into the multi. And I'm going to have 200 at $10.60 in my six-legger. And there's no Richmond Tigers, so I'm ultra confident I can get the bank balance to 2100 And I'll be back, baby. Then I'll be only one or two weeks away from getting that magical 5,000. So I'm I'm, a, I'm very confident. What is a lock top That's rope a lock for of that the part of the week? Uh, that part <laughs> of the week is you'll get five out of six legs. That's what will be the lock. <laughs> Absolute morale. Absolute morale. Hashtag rabble bet. Yeah, Essendon will get beat on the line in the last <laughs> kick of the night or something like that. Just set him up. Everything else will land. Uh, I think we need the Hall of Famer. We need DK in for lock yeah. of the week. We should just be auto-betting his bets for charity and might be something we look at. Uh, Maybe you can add him for uh, tomorrow's show. Uh, just add him into the lock. It's uh, it's quite embarrassing <laughs> at this stage. But uh, a big thanks to you, Top Rope. I'm sure uh, you'll ban the family this week and you'll be headfirst into all the rugby league. And uh, 
the uh, KFC down at the local pub that doesn't do food. Wow, what a pearl. I wish uh, more establishments wouldn't cater and you could just walk the K-Fry in. I think that's absolute gold. I might move to Orange with you. Absolute winner. I'll tell you what, though. A little tip if you take K-Fry into a pub. The rest of the pub, the rest of the crowd will be hovering around like bloody <laughs> birds around a ship. <laughs> they could not be just like... Just give us some space so we can eat the cave fry, please. <laughs> almost, almost a blue with my brother at one stage. He was, get away from those. It was carnage. Yeah, you'd need to, uh, instead of getting the six pieces, you'd have to go to the nine and you know, all the sides. It's just the popcorn chicken wouldn't last a minute. Thanks, Top Rope. Good luck this weekend and long live the Melbourne Storm. Good luck, boys. Long live the Storm. See you, Top Rope. Uh, if uh, if you're having a bet this weekend, make sure you check out topsport.com.au. They've got uh, fabulous promotions. They've got uh, Same Game Multis. They've got uh, a brand new app and the Same Game Multi stuff that all the other bookies have. So make sure you give them a chance. They are Australia's biggest betting bookie and all the big players love betting there. We're going to uh, take a short break and then we're going to have a look at Wimbledon with Ace Previews next. Welcome back to Little Birdie Podcast. I'm your host, Scoot. I've got the kid, MG, and we've got ace previews here. I've just done a run-through of a couple of tennis names, and I'm a dollar four to fluff them up. And I'll tell you what, Ace, if, uh, if you keep throwing me curve balls on uh, tricky uh, pronunciations, your career at Little Birdie headquarters will be short-lived. But how are you, brother? You fresh? I am good. All <laughs> as fresh as you can be, given what it's been about a little while since, you know, what, two weeks since overnight Tennis has, you know, caused havoc to my life, but that's all right. We're back here again, and it's it's been an interesting couple of days to, to kick things off in at Wimbledon. Mm, let's uh, let's get straight into the uh, the men's winner market. And Novak Djokovic has got a stranglehold on the market here, dollar sixty six. And why wouldn't he be on the grass there? Daniel Medvedev is eight dollars. Federer is thirteen. Baratini fourteen. Zarev seventeen dollars. Rublev forty six. And Kyrgios has stopped playing uh, Nintendo. He's sixty one dollars. Andy Murray, it's coming home sixty five dollars. And Felix Auger, not sure how you pronounce his last name, is sixty five dollars. Also, is uh, is Djokovic just a uh, a job for the Maltese. Can we start taking Djokovic into the Brisbane Lions and Western Bulldogs or whoever we fancy in the big futures into Bonampelli? Well, look, I'd, I'd love you to put Novak in based on what you did to Rafa at Roland Garros. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, look, it, it's, it's very easy to make a strong argument, I think, for, for Novak and, and the price that he is. But, look, I, I'll try and, and persuade you into some some longer shots, I think, in, the, in that men's market. And, you know, a couple are up on the screen there. Um, I think Danil Medvedev, you know, showed that he could play on grass last week and, and looked pretty solid in his first round match against Struff. And the advantage of being the two seed is you're as far away from Novak in the draw as possible. So, you know, he, he's in an interesting spot there. And I think he can take advantage of that quarter with Roger Federer in it. And another one that, who's just to, to keep an eye on with a favorable draw and should make week two is, is Andre Rublev. He is in the same quarter as Novak, but I think he's the, the type of player that, you know, if he's able to redline and really push Novak, we saw him slip over a couple of times on, on centre court in round one. So it would be interesting to see if he can keep his footing across the rest of the fortnight. Mm, so, yeah, it's a different surface, the uh, the Wimbledon grass and the French Open, isn't it? Uh, as one commentator has said, I think, it, was it Grothy? Yeah, I think it was listening the other day. They, they closed <laughs> the roof on day one and they were having a chat about, you know, the conditions. And I think the remark was, 
you know, the conditions are a little bit different on Santa Court at Wimbledon <laughs> compared to Santa Court at Roland Garros, and you'd hope so considering one's grass and one's clay. But look, they're, they're doing a great job, I think, here trying to, to work through the night from, from the Melbourne studio, so I won't hold too much against them. But that was an interesting way to lead off. With uh, it's, it's good to know that, you know, they're not playing on clay. Mark, I'll see you traded tennis with Pinnacle Sports for... No, oh, yeah. seven, ten years or something like that. Any thoughts on the men's side? Yeah, it sounds like Groff commentates the way he plays for me. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's an interesting call. No, yeah, listen, we're a bit gun-shy after you stopped Nadal for the French. Uh, that was an amazing <laughs> effort. You are one of the great stoppers. Um, must have been a good tagger in your AFL days, Nico. Uh, no, it's interesting. I, I, I actually I, – listen, it falls away really quickly from what I've seen and, you know – when you look at it, but the problem is with mine is I'm worried about how the uh, court surface is playing and Djokovic loves an injury. So I, I, I would say it's a long two weeks to be investing that short quote and I don't think you need to really rush into it too much anyway. Don't you think, Ace, if, you, if he gets through two or three rounds, you could probably wait and he's going to be a similar price if you like him anyway? Yeah, I think look, he's coming a little bit with Sitsipas losing in the first round, but I don't think he's going to come in too much more really until the, the quarterfinals. As this, as you've said, you know, when you go back through, you know, the recent tournaments, he hasn't lost a lot of Grand Slam. It's either been, you know, retiring by injury or, you know, hitting a Lions person in the throat with a tennis ball. So there's a lot of <laughs> things that can go wrong when Novak's on court. So if you want to take the shorts, by all means, go for it. But, you know, you, you never know what you might wake up to one morning across this fortnight. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, I might. I've already had my lock of the week for this week, but next week I'll put Novak in my lock of the week, and I'll stop him. I'll do my bit of community service for the bookies and get him beat for everyone out there, so right. you can jag a roughie. Yeah. I want to know how uh, Curios is at sixty-one dollars. Is that just because an Australian bookies got him got him on the short side? Surely sixty-one dollars. Unders. Hey. Uh, what? I, I don't think. Call, it, no. call I don't of think Duty. He's ever been overs in an outright market ever? Mm. I, I think there's just that much hype around. And then look, as we talk about it at the moment, he's at three all in the fifth set. Um, you know, the curfew got them last night, so he's got to come back again and play, you know, on day three. So I don't see, you know, off no tennis since the Australian Open and just a lot of Call of Duty. I'm just not sure he quite <laughs> has it in the tank to be able to play, you know, seven best of five set matches. But look, good on him for going over there and getting out of Australia for a little bit. Yeah, it just, it just looks a really weak field. When you got one of the greatest of all time playing, um, and then what do we got? Sixth, seventh, and eighth favorite. Kyrgios at sixty one dollars and Murray at sixty five. Mm. So, to me, it um, yeah, it's hard to bet, but it's good. Ace has come up with a second favorite at eight dollars. Um, if you take a set against Djokovic on the opposite side of the draw, I think the eight dollars is much better value at this stage to uh, be investing. In. Let's have a look at uh, the women's and uh, Ash Barty. Our Ash, $5.40. She loves the uh, beer in the stands. I think she's a Brisbane Lions <laughs> supporter. She'd be all over them, no doubt. Uh, Arena Sabalenka, $9.75. Merzagova, $9.75. Switek, $10. Coco Goff, $14. Uh, Andrescu, $19. Sophia Kennan, $20. Kerber, $22. And uh, Babora, $22, and Alina Rybakova, $22. I'm not going to pronounce any more. That's good. I'm just sounding like an absolute <laughs> goose here. But I'm surprised you went that far down. Ash, <laughs> well, I, was, I just started calling them by their first names. Everyone knows who Babora is and Kerber. Right. I don't need to uh, make it any harder for myself. But uh, what do you think about Ash Barty? Marcos, you? 
Um, oh, no, I'm interested in Ace's thoughts here because, I, I, you know, looking at it the other day mm. and they had uh, Barty at fa- uh, favourite and Serena were the two at the top of the list. Um, and what we discussed in the French, we were, I think uh, Ace might have said the stat of how many different women major yes, winners yeah. there have been over the last, say, 2025. Uh, and I just wanted to get Ace's thoughts on, well, Serena got knocked out or, sorry, withdrew from injury last night. So... Only half of the question now is left. Is Barty a false favourite? And uh, obviously you're going to give us a bit of uh, feedback to who's behind her and what, what your picks are. Yeah, look, well, obviously it's, it's good to see that <laughs> scoop that dollar four got away quickly there with the pronunciation on that list. So good to get a winner <laughs> there early with, uh, with that. But I think Ash is, look, it's a tricky, it's a wide open field. I think she's looked, she looked pretty scratchy through that first round match with Spiros Navarro that ended up going three sets. Serena was the false favourite and, and that's obviously disappeared very quickly. But when you look at it, you know, Barty, there still is some question marks around her. There's there's some question marks around Sabalenka, you know, on that second line. Muguruza looked very good in the, the, the first round. But looking a little bit wider and going a little bit deeper down in, in the draw, there's two names that kind of stood out to me and, and those are Onstrabor and in the bottom half and... Uh, Carolina Mahova in the, the second quarter. She's got, you know, it's a tough quarter with Kerber, Coco Goff, and Belinda Bencic in that quarter as well. But they're all on the other half of the quarter. Sorry, it's getting a bit mathematical here. Uh, so they all have to play each other before getting through to, to potentially facing Mahova. So there's a bit of value there. But I'm interested to see how, you know, Barty and, and particularly Savalenka now starts to handle being, being a Grand Slam favourite because it hasn't always ended well for her in previous mm. attempts. Mm. Yeah. So uh, get going a bit wide there. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of question marks in the women's at the moment. That's probably why the, the lack of dominance of, of someone taking charge of a lot of the Grand Slam um, tournaments of late. You know, the, the history of women's going back, you know, uh, 20, 30, 40 years, it's been complete dominance at times um, of Serena and Monica mm. Sellers and Graf and all these. But it's, it's almost a mess at the moment, uh, the last probably five, six years. So there's definitely value in there, and uh, it's interesting. Ace has given it a, a couple of wide ones to to at least track through. Mm, we might uh, we'll catch up on him with him next week as well when uh, the tournament gets deeper. But uh, let's find a winner now. <clears throat> and uh, you've picked out probably uh, the two hardest uh, pronunciation games for me yet again. You're just pushing all my buttons uh, this morning, Ace. But the matches that you've identified here is Francis TFO versus Vasek Pospisil. And uh, it's TFO 187, 193, the Canadian. And uh, the line there is minus one to the American and uh, 41, the total games. How are you going to bet here? Is uh, Pospisil a bet? No, I'm actually going to go the other way with, uh, with TFO. <laughs> uh, I, Pospisil is he's a very, very capable grass court player, but I think this is actually a, a trickier matchup for him. In the second round, Tiafo for, for those who may not have seen in the first round, defeated Stefanos Tsitsipas in straight sets. And one of the, the tactics that he used really well was to, to be able to neutralise the Tsitsipas serve, was to be able to step in and really take the ball early. Um, he, he has really short, you know, he can kind of block off, off both wings and get the ball back in play and get it deep. And, you know, for all the benefit that comes with Pospisil's serve and, and volley skill, I think from what we saw from from Tiafo through that first round is going to hold him in good stead as well as having a, a challenger title on the grass a couple of weeks ago. So both have played for a couple of weeks on the grass, but I think looking at those prices, I'd be inclined to to jump in on on Tiafo there. 
$1.87 with topsport.com.au. So make sure you get on that one. And now the other match here, we've got uh, Roberto Batista Augusta, I think his name is, and uh, Miomar Kekamedovic. $1.26 the Spaniard, uh, Roberto, and Kekamedovic, three eighty. the line, six. I've done that pretty well, haven't I? <laughs> His surname is so, good. <laughs> His surname's a good. Oh, not so it's not, not Augusta. <laughs> no. <laughs> close, close, close. Who's going to win this one? Oh, no, look, I don't have a play on this. I just wanted to hear you pronounce it. <laughs> um, my, no, look, it, it, it's an interesting one. Bautista a good made the semifinal here in, in 2019. Um, I mean, he does have form here, but you know, he played John Millman in the first round and injured himself just a couple of points before the end. So took a medical timeout in the middle of a, a tie break, which is a little bit of a no-no, but from some, um, or, you know, in the opinion of, of some, and then hurt himself again just before match point. So got a first serve in and was able to escape, but just a very, very short price there, I think, given, you know, the, the uncertainty around his fitness there. And, and Kekmanovic is, is a pretty capable player on the grasses, has made a final at, at ATP level on the grass as well. So, Look, if you're looking for something a little bit more speculative, I, I think it's a it's a long price there for Kekmanovic, particularly with the the question marks around Bautista and Good's fitness. Mm, Three dollars eighty at Top Sport, Kekmanovic. So there's a nice little uh, roughy play tonight, and close your eyes like we do with Fletcher Asia. Wake up, and hopefully yeah. there's money in the account the next day. Fantastic uh, analysis, Ace. Hopefully, uh, when I talk to you next week, a couple of the, uh, the tricky names are out the door, and. Uh, Medvedev is in the mix, and we've got uh, maybe Ash Barty. Hopefully uh, she can uh, have a really good tournament, but looks another raffle. Uh, if these guys want to find uh, all your analysis, it's free, isn't it, Ace? How do they find it? Yeah, all free. Um, the the main spot to, to probably keep an eye out is on Twitter, so at Ace underscore previews, and everything kind of links out from there. Fantastic stuff. All right, we'll uh, we'll let you get back to bed and uh, you can keep burning uh, the midnight oil tonight and uh, good luck through the tournament. Thank you, and I hope you get some sleep and don't have to think about these surnames too much before next week's episode. No, nah, we'll, uh, we'll keep things very, very simple here. It's been a, uh, a massive, massive show this week. Covered yeah, uh, all yeah. areas. We'll, uh, we'll try and find uh, some uh, Euro tips, but at the moment we're struggling to keep up with all the racing action still uh, still going on with the Queensland Winter yeah. Carnival about to uh, finish this week at uh, Caloundra, Sunshine Coast, Bris Vegas show, Bet Doctor tomorrow, yeah, AFL's uh, in overdrive, there's COVID chaos. and uh, yeah. Next just... week's show might be big. We'll have the, the Euro finals. Um, yeah. And Homicide, we'll try and get Homicide yeah. in for the NBA, the NBA uh, finals, finals and the Ace for the Wimbledon finals. So. Yeah. so it's a cracker. A lot to get through next week. Big, big winter in sport in Australia and a big summer and uh, the, the Northern Hemisphere stuff is uh, non-stop. So hopefully we've found you a winner or two or we've uh, helped you avoid a couple of sides. Make sure you check us out in the Apple Store, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud if you want to listen to us on the go. I don't mind a little Bet Doctor uh, podcast on a Saturday morning so I get the racing stuff while I go for a trot. I probably need to run a little bit further so I can get through the whole uh, episode of the show. But uh, thanks, MG. Good luck on the AFL this week. Thanks, Gertie. See you Good next week. Good luck, punters.